0: Start with a word of prayer. Philip, you want to read some prayer.
1: Dear gracious Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, we thank you so much for another beautiful day that you have given to us so that we can live and serve you and be closer to you, Father. We thank you for this time that we've been able to set aside to study from your word, and we ask that you would open our hearts to listen to the things that you've said. We ask that you would be with Gary that as he has prepared things to say that you might be with him this morning. We thank you so much for your son, Father, and his sacrifice for us, and how it is through him that we can have a relationship with you. Please continue to be with us and strengthen us.
0: In Jesus' name
1: we pray. Amen. Okay, Uh, we are in Isaiah 64.
0: In this section of Isaiah, particularly starting with chapter 56, Isaiah sort of goes back and forth in my judgment between looking at his day and time, which was a period of sin and a period in which they were being... Um, punished by the Lord, disciplined by the Lord, in which they were going to be even going into captivity, and jumping forward and looking to the blessings that they would receive after punishment. You know, the promises, the plans that God had for them. Now, in Isaiah 63, starting at verse 7, uh, they talk about the great things that God had done in the past. The goodness, the mercy, and... Uh, how he had taken care of them. They go back to like the Exodus and then God caring for them in the wilderness and all of that. And they think about just God's uh, great acts of mercy for the people. However, the people rebelled against God. They weren't faithful to God. They didn't respond properly. And God punished them. And they, they basically turn to God and say, God, look. Verse 15 of Isaiah 63 look down from heaven. And see from your holy and glorious habitation, where are your zeal and your mighty deeds? The stirrings of your heart and your compassion are restrained toward me. They're saying, what happened to your mercy? What happened to your compassion? And and those mighty deeds of deliverance that we've always heard about you doing. They say, you're our Father. You know, we have this relationship with you. They ask in verse 17, why, O Lord? Do you cause us to stray from your ways and harden our heart from fearing? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. Your holy people possessed your sanctuary for a little while. Our adversaries have trodden it down. we become like those over whom you've never ruled, like those who are not, who are not called by your name. You can almost see the Jews in captivity saying this. You can almost hear them saying, you know, we had your temple and then you let the enemies overrun. You know, it's it's like now you're not even our God anymore. We've We've got foreign masters that are ruling over us. What happened to you? what you've done? Now this section is a little hard to interpret. But I take this as the beginning of basically a complaint of the people for what they're going through. And really kind of uh, a little frustrated that the Lord isn't really coming through for them like they've always heard about him doing the past I don't know if you've ever felt like that ever felt like man you know, know I know I read the Bible I see all these great things God does and all his compassion and his deliverance and salvation but you know look at what I'm going through I don't see him acting now I think that's kind of the context when we start 64. Now, you know, there is in this section a good bit of interpretation as to the tone to read this in. But that's the tone that I'm reading it in. Do you have any thoughts or comments before we start into 64? Okay? Would somebody read then chapter 64
2: verses 1 through 3? (coughs) Those that you Into the heavens that you would come down that the mountains might shake at your presence as fire burns brushwood as fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries that the nations may tremble at your presence when you did awesome things for which we did not look you came down the mountains shook at your presence alright so what are they longing for
0: do it again yes do it again Vengeance. They want God to do what? Destroy Babylon. Start a revival? Destroy the enemy. Destroy the enemy. They want him to come down like he's done in the past. And when he comes down, what happens? The mountain shake. The mountain shake. It's like an earthquake. I mean, it just shakes up everything. They want God to do that again to deliver them. You know, God to shake things up like, say, he did back in Egypt in the time of the Exodus. Remember how God shook things then? Think about the plagues. Think about the uh, Red Sea opening up and then closing back over Pharaoh's army and things like that. Oh, that God would come down and do that again. You know, because when you have the Lord present, it just changes everything. And so they're longing for the Lord to come down like he had in the past, like do those awesome things that were even unexpected. Comments and questions to that point. You ever wanted the Lord to come down? You ever wanted the Lord to intervene? That's that's what they're thinking. You know, man, if you just come again. I look at four to seven.
2: <clears throat> well, from days of old, they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a god besides you. Who asks in behalf of the one who waits for him? You meet him who rejoices in doing righteousness, who remembers you in your way. Behold, you are angry, for we sin. We continued in them a long time. And shall we be saved? For all of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. And all of us wither like a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name. Who arouses himself to take hold of you. For we have hidden your face from us. And have delivered us into the power of our iniquities. Alright, now look at 4 and the
0: first part of verse 5. What do they know about God right here? He responds to righteousness. Absolutely. Isn't that true? God is a God who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. He meets him who rejoices in doing righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. That is exactly right. God is the God who blesses those who serve him, who do what's right. They do understand that fact about God, and how has their
3: conduct been? Well, they admit that uh, their conduct's been wrong. How wrong? been for a long time.
0: Yeah, exactly, a long time like an unclean person. Who, who, who was it in the uh, Old Testament that had to go around just declaring unclean, unclean to warn people to stay away from <laughs> lepers? It's like they were spiritual lepers, and they see that. You know, they were unclean. They're filthy. They they wither like a leaf. Well, why is it that that people who are involved in sin wither like a leaf? I think which is the source of life, nourishment, and all that. You're separated from God by your sins. That'd be chapter 59, verses 1 and 2. You're separated from the source of life, and what happens when you cut a branch off from the tree? It starts to wither, it doesn't have the source of life. So they see that. They realize that, um, verse 5, you were angry, for we sinned you know that's what's happened to them God got angry because they sinned they continued in the sins a long time they're unclean, they're filthy they're withered and look at verse 7 how total is their abandonment of God Complete. Yeah. no one calls on your name no one wakes up to take hold of God that's why God's hidden His face. He's delivered them into the power of their iniquities. They, they confess their sin. They recognize that they, they are the ones that have brought this on themselves. That's why God's gotten angry. That's why He's withered them. That's why they're you know not doing well. Again, do you ever do that? Do you ever wish God would come and intervene? Do you ever wish God would save you even though... You would say, "I know my problem is I've sinned. I know that I've just not been doing what's right. I know I'm I'm at fault." Uh, I think we can sort of identify with what the people are saying right here, longing for the Lord's intervention, but we realize He intervenes to help the righteous, and that's not us. Comments and thoughts on that, Larry? Gary, yeah, sometimes. Uh, I- talk to people,
1: and they'll say things like, you know, I, you know, I don't know why God brought this on me. Yeah, you know, why, why is... And yet the problem really is that they don't see that they're in sin. I took the office yesterday, and there was a knock on the... I just was, walked out of the office to go back to the coffee machine. There was a knock on the door, and there was a lady standing at the door. So I let her in, and she said, uh, I'm going around the churches, and I uh, I need money. so I'm about to lose my place, and and I said, and she she's needed 500 dollars for rent. And um, she'd fallen on some hard times. And I said, well, I said, do you go to church anywhere? Well, no, I haven't been to church since I was little. You know, people are always wanting someone to bail them out of their, their and again, you know, I understand that some people do fall on hard times, but they want they want physical deliverance when what they need is spiritual, and when they, don't, they just don't see the the problem is deep.
0: So you see that these people have an edge on those. I mean, you know, because it's, you're exactly right. Some people would never, ever realize that their sins have anything to do with what they're going through. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's not going to be helpful. I mean, we need to um, take responsibility for our actions. You know, we need to recognize when, well, I know I brought this on myself. You know, I mean... It's not, you know, if you misdiagnose the problem, it's not going to help you. So, so you see, there's this is these people have at least to some extent a better understanding of their condition than some people do. Other thoughts. Now,
1: well, what does uh, verse four mean? I guess in this context. Well, I think
0: they're saying that these people have not really been faithful to God. Uh, he said, "From the days of old, from, from days of old, they've not heard or perceived by ear. Who has the eye seen that God besides you, who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. rather?" Let me start that over. I mean, that they recognize that God's the one who acts for the righteous. There's no other God like that. You know, He's, he's the only God. Who intervenes on behalf of those who are faithful. So that they would be the nations and the adversaries of God, you think? Or anybody. Anyway. Yeah. There's nobody who's <laughs> ever seen a God who does what this God does. Blessing the faith. and And doing these marvelous wonders that he's done to deliver his faithful people.
3: I think it's interesting that when we get in situations like that uh, if we know God we know that there's not any other place to turn and uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's a good thing that they are uh, they they are looking to God they have they have wrong attitudes but uh, there is no other place to look to well, where else would you go you
0: know there is no other place. That's exactly right. There's some real, there's some good things about their attitude, about what they're saying. Not totally good, but there's some good things about. It. They're they're a step ahead of some people.
1: Other thoughts? Yes. I shouldn't have the thing about the leaf. Um, you know, like the leaves in the fall. The leaf is what separates itself from the tree. The tree doesn't cut the leaf off. I can't help but thank of so much what we do to ourselves.
0: It's exactly right. Uh, you know, God doesn't. Uh, his His mercy doesn't suddenly dry up just because He's tired of being merciful. You know, we we're responsible for that ourselves. Good point.
1: Um, yeah. Um. Like I know, like earlier on in Isaiah, we'd been like studying, and this is like all this was looking forward to the Messianic age or whatever. Um, so I guess would this be applied to that or is this kind of reflecting on the people in captivity? I think
0: it's the reflections of the people in captivity. I think they're just thinking about their their situation. They wish God would intervene again. They wish he'd help them. You know, they feel down about this and yet they recognize that God helps those who are faithful and they've been sinful. They're unclean. They're, they're filthy. And so they do see that the problem has been their sins.
2: Other thoughts? Verse 7, you've delivered us in the power of our iniquities. It's, I mean, that just kind of states the whole thing. You've actually let us do what we wanted to do. Now look at us.
0: Yeah, that's right. Kind of a pathetic situation. Yeah. I see where they're going with this. We're, we're still not quite to where this, uh, you know, we see what they're saying as a whole. Really, I think we need to wait for God's response to completely see how to analyze all of this, But 8 through 12.
2: But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. And all we are the work of your hand. Do not be furious, O Lord, nor remember iniquity forever. Indeed, please look, we all are your people. Your holy cities are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness. Jerusalem a desolation. Our holy and beautiful temple, where our fathers praised you, is burned up with fire, and all our pleasant things are laid waste. Will you restrain yourself because of these things, O Lord? Will you hold your peace and afflict us very severely? So now what are they saying? (laughs) Like a butt, Satan? Yes, it is. But what?
0: <laughs> yes, but, but God, we're your children. You're our father. We're the clay. You're the potter. You know, you're the one who made us. Now, what are they saying by that?
3: <laughs> you have
0: to address. You have to, or at least. You ought to, we really need you to. I mean, come on, look, we're your people. I know we haven't done well. I know we've sinned. I know we're unclean, but, but God, you're our Father. You ever feel like that? You ever kind of like, yeah, I know, I know I've sinned. I've, I know, but, but God, you know, and, and don't be angry beyond measure, O oh Lord. Nor remember iniquity forever. Behold, look now. All of us are your people. You know, they they are acknowledging their sins. They recognize that's the problem, but they're saying, God, please, I mean, don't 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 look upon our sins anymore. You know, we are your people after all. You know, I don't know. Do you ever feel like that? I mean, on the one hand, yeah, I know, I know it's my fault, but but still, you know, my fault or not, we are your people, and and this, we need you. And uh, look at how bad things have gotten. How bad have they gotten in verses 10 and 11? Doesn't look too good. I mean, after all, uh, Jerusalem <laughs> was not exactly supposed to be a desolation. It was a, it was a major city. <laughs> You know, this is not, you know, a a state park preserve that's supposed to be kept as a wildlife area. You know, it's supposed to be uh, the city of God, and now it's just been turned into a wilderness, to a desolate area. What about about our holy and beautiful house? (sighs) What is their holy and beautiful house? The temple, and what's happened to it? Burned Burned up with fire. (coughs) All our precious things have become a ruin. It's just really... uh, Sad. And, and uh, they ask the question, will you restrain yourself with these things? Oh Lord, will you keep silent and afflict us beyond measure? Do you, you know,
3: well,
0: well, what do you see their attitude as being here? My
3: punishment is greater than acting better.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, this is, you know, enough already. You know, you, I mean, you're afflicted. You know, you're bondage. Now, come on. We really need help now. Yes, Bob? I
2: think perhaps sometimes we we call out to God forgetting that he's the sovereign ruler and in, right, in his right hand is deliverance and in his left hand is judgment. And uh, we often think of it with our minds skewed. We're looking for what's in the right hand. We want the deliverance. And uh, we're not thinking about what's due us.
3: Yes. Even though
2: they've confessed that, we need to have hearts like David and say, search
0: me deal to me why it's coming to me no matter what. Yeah, do we sometimes acknowledge our sins? We know the punishment's just and yet still we feel like God still needs to deliver us. He still needs to save us. He still needs to forgive us. You know, we are, he is our father. He is the potter. And okay now, please, please intervene now. Go ahead and save us in spite of what we've done. You know, it's like God, when you see how bad it's gotten, when you see how much we've been devastated, intervene, will you keep silent, afflict us beyond measure? Maybe we sometimes feel like, yeah, I know we deserve some punishment, but maybe not this much. <laughs> you know, maybe this has uh, gone a little too far. It seems to me like their attitude is, is, <clears throat> you know, somewhat doubtful in terms of of their acknowledging their sin, and yet not completely owning up to what the consequences ought to be. Thoughts and comments? Yes, Stacy?
2: What would you say would be the correct attitude? Because they have some things right. Like They they realize they've sinned, they realize they deserve punishment. How, How should we come to the Lord with that? When we realize we've sinned, and we want so badly to have this forgiveness and in his salvation
0: good question what would you how would you change this to make it a better or right attitude take out verses
1: 12 for starters
0: yeah okay yeah but what if you really do see you need salvation there's an admission here but no
1: repentance.
0: that might be one thing you know just to acknowledge our guilt sometimes we almost feel like well I said I was wrong and that in itself almost keeps us from needing to repent you know well I've been really miserable because of this so I ought to be okay now well you know feeling really bad is a something that's needed but it really doesn't merit God's. It doesn't. It doesn't get you back in God's favor just feeling bad. You've got to decide to change. I think that's a good point. <laughs> I think maybe also being less demanding of what God ought to do. You know, God's punished us less than our sins deserve. You know, we we really have no claim on God's mercy. We can say, you know. Do as you will to me. I need this. But I don't deserve it. Whatever you do to me, it's, you know, you, you can't do as bad as what I deserve. I think more of a recognition of, you know, God's will be done might be helpful as well. I don't know what do you what other things do you think? It's a really good question. Bob. Just, just when you read it over and over again, there's a tone of selfishness in their hearts. And that should should not be there when you seek the uh,
1: seek the, the mercy of the heavenly Father. Uh, it's almost like you know, the holy city or you know, wilderness, and these are all your things, and almost a bartering, uh, a bantering uh, in a way. You know? I think
3: it's, they just have emptied themselves of, of their of, the, of their their pride. And they just want they just want the good things that God has to give them again.
0: Yeah, good point.
3: Whether they realize it or not, they're they're ending up blaming God for this. I mean, when are you going to get over this? And and uh, I, I realize that I've done wrong. When are you going to get over this? And, and so they're that they have a wrong attitude, like you say, about their demand demands of God here.
0: Almost reminds me of children sometimes with their parents that. Okay, they'll say what they need to say to try to, you know, get out of the problem. But then, now, okay, now what you do, let me do this, you know. Kind of like you realize it's not so much, you know, sincere repentance. It's more like, okay, I knew I had to say that. Now will you give me
2: what I want? Seth? Um, This might be a little bit of a tangent, but I'll... um I feel like sometimes we use passages like for all of sin to to make an excuse. Well, yeah, I, I sin all the time, but that's because I'm human. Whereas we have other passages that tell us that we have absolutely everything we need, every tool we need to overcome each and every temptation. Whenever any temptation comes at us, we can overcome each and every single one of them. Individuals, so we can't use an excuse excuse like these people are saying. You know, we've sinned, but you're so good that you'll that you'll forgive us
3: anyway. Yeah, and we've sinned, yeah. but verse 63, 17, You cause us to straighten your ways.
0: You harden our heart from fearing you, and uh, somewhere else, I don't remember where it was. It's kind of like that. It it almost seems like they are partially blaming God for their sins. And sometimes we can say, I've sinned, but we we take that away with the other hand. You know, yeah, I've sinned, but... And by the time we
2: get done, it doesn't sound like it's so bad. Logan? The biggest problem I've seen that this has jumped out of me in this prayer is it's conditional repentance. Because they're saying... You know, we want to turn to you like like we're the potter, or we're the clay and you're the potter. at the same time, they're like, well, you need to deliver us.
0: Well, and you know, even this clay and potter thing,
2: that's a beautiful
0: thing. You know, we, we sing about that. And, and you know, there'd be some senses in which you can really see that as being a, a great way to look at it. But what part of that are they really looking at? How are
2: they using? It? You roll with us this way.
0: Yes, and
2: you owe it us.
0: Yeah, I mean, who breaks the path that you himself made? I mean, you know, you made us, so you ought to really intervene here. Not we're the client, just go ahead and do with us whatever you want but you're the potter, come on you've got to save us because you made us it's almost like they're using that as giving God the responsibility to fix things not as them being the ones to be molded and submit to whatever God's will is I can't remember, I'm continuing trying to remember what is the passage says you've punished us less than our iniquities deserve or whatever Remember what context that's in. Um, so, but but if if that's in the right context, that might be a better uh, you know better approach. Is to see you know what we have suffered is really so light compared to what God has every right to expect of us. You know, <laughs> instead of saying, well, God, I've already I mean, I've already gone through this. I mean, now now it's now it's your turn. Come on, and we really have no right to put demands on. We have no right to just like expect that God ought to deliver us. He's merciful, but that's His
2: choice. It's not our right. Uh, in the verse 11, I couldn't help but notice. I mean, excuse me. Yeah, in verse 11, the very beginning of verse 11. Um, this is our holy and beautiful temple, they attribute these things that should be attributed to God, which they haven't in this chapter in heaven. Praise the Lord and attribute these things that should be attributed to the Lord to their temple. Again, putting this emphasis on the things that He had given them to worship them, which they weren't doing in the beginning. Oh, all this holy and beautiful temple we had, what about the Lord? He was the one that was holy and beautiful. He gave you that temple to worship in. Where is
0: your focus? Good point. Yeah. They're always more concerned about maybe the building of the presence
3: of God.
2: Almost remind me that Hezekiah showing them these people, these things that He had had. Um, you know, to show all these this gold and silver that he had, or these beautiful things. And their focus wasn't God. Yeah, good point. Yes, right. Well, makes me think a little bit about David you when know, his son was sick and dying. He prayed night after night for his son, but when he died, he would just go wail on his bed, <coughs> in to worship God. He recognized that was the most important thing, and uh, the life of his child was secondary. And it seems like these people are more concerned about their cities that are burning than the fact that they're
1: cut off and God withering.
0: Do we ever do that? We grieve, but do we grieve more the punishment than we do the sin? You know, we grieve what we're suffering. We're not grieving because we've hurt the Lord, and because what we've done has been an offense against God. That's a good point. You know, it's kind of interesting. I mean, you see some really good statements yet you realize how you can say some good things you can acknowledge some right things and still your attitude is not what pleases
1: the lord so you i was just going to yeah. comment that uh, the passage about god not dealing with us <coughs> as, as our sins deserve is uh in psalm 103 verse 10 and also in ezra 9 13 okay
0: yes yeah and that i think probably it was the ezra passage i was thinking about i couldn't uh couldn't uh, remember that or remember what the context was but yeah yeah exactly Ezra 9.13 which is a tremendous prayer of pure confession Mm -hmm. after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and our great guilt since you our God have requited us less than our iniquities deserve and have given us an escaped remnant as this and in the context Ezra is saying you have given us mercy again and we've blown it again we've done terribly you know we you punished us less than our iniquities deserved, and you had mercy on us, and then what do we do? We abused your grace again. And the amazing thing about Ezra 9, I don't believe in that prayer there is one single request. Not even for forgiveness. You know, I mean, when have you ever prayed a, pure, a prayer of a pure confession? No requests. No asking for anything. Just, God... We're so sorry. We've we wronged you. We've hurt you. We have done horribly. You know. So often it's well, we, we we did bad. Now, God, please. And it almost takes away from the purity and the sincerity of confession of the confession when it seems like we're so quick to get to the point of what we want from God, it almost makes it seem like. And I think sometimes it may be the case we're just almost manipulating with our confession.
1: Larry. You okay, know, to me, you know, I can't remember the last time that I have seen someone come down the aisle to be, to be in the prize room. Even people that have done things wrong they are very broken over sin. I mean, I'm talking about like Luke 7 where the, the woman comes with the, the flask there and she breaks it she and she's weeping. But, I mean, where... Where is the star of the Lord? You know, it's it's, it's really that we just are not broken over sin. We don't see what we've done to God. We don't see what we've done to other people. we see what we've done to ourselves. All we're concerned about, for the most part, is just God fixing our life, putting a path to it, bailing us out like the economy, and just fixing us so we can get through this. But we're not really concerned about what we've done you
0: ought to be crying our eyes out, for all Good coming, very good coming. under in the same book. <laughs> there, there, there are good passages
3: in Hosea where the people's prayers even sound so presumptuous that uh, 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 God is so good. That, like in Hosea six, come, let us return to the Lord. He's torn us, but He'll heal us. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure whether they're just being really presumptuous there, but God's going to take care of this. So let's just go ahead and come back to Him. But their idea is, we we just we need to be fixed. Here.
0: Well, and in that context, He you said your loyalty is like a morning cloud, yes. and you, you know it just seems like sometimes uh, the depth of, of commitment in those things is not. <laughs> yeah, good
3: good passage to compare. I agree. Look at God's response. I think this will help us a little bit.